favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simple side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. There. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have Laura Bradford, a national best-selling author of more than 36 books. Her latest title, Her New Story, is what we'll be chatting about today. All right, Laura, we've got just one more minute. Let's give um, our uh, viewers just a few more seconds to hop on board. And then we will get um, started. But um, did you have a good day? I did. I had a nice day. Oh, I'm getting, you know, shouting out the fact that the book is out and just seeing posts on Facebook and putting posts on Instagram and, you know, all the busyness of a new book. That's wonderful. I know um, uh, new releases, those couple days around new releases are always crazy. So I'm sure today was um, quite exciting for you. So I am happy, very happy that you took time out of your busy schedule to join us here on Facebook Live. So it is officially 8 o'clock, so we can get started. So again, welcome everybody. This is, um, I'm Tracy Fredikowski, and we have the great honor of having Laura Bradford with us this evening. And many of you that follow this page know that I host a um, Buggy Talk podcast over on my website. And Laura and I are good friends, so we decided we would venture into the world of Facebook Live this time and do a live interview. So again, welcome, Laura, and thank you so much for visiting with us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited, too. I hope you're ready for all my crazy questions I have for you. But um, I know that you have a lot going on. I know that, um, unfortunately, you're, ta you're taking care of an elderly parent, so that mm -hmm. keeps you running back and forth a good bit. I know that you're building a house. Yeah. You just released a new book, so um, I know you're busy there. <laughs> and today is the official launch day of her new story. And yeah. I have to tell you, I... I finished it just last night. Oh, I, yeah. I read it, most of it, you know, I started it a couple of weeks ago, and I'm in the, in the uh, deep into a, a deadline that I have to make for um, September 15th. Oh, so wow. um, I have been leading you in every chance I get, so I'm really excited to talk about Tess Baker and um, her, um, her new story. But before we do, do that, just like on the Buggy Talk podcast, I like to take our listeners um, for a tour, as you can say, into your writing career. Um, okay. Now, I know that things have been sort of up in the air for you. I know that you and your husband are um, living in a rental house right now yes, while your are. house is be being built. <laughs> so I'm sure um, space is not as what you're used to in your old house, so I'm sure your writing time has been interrupted um, a good bit. How about you tell us, to begin with, what mm -hmm. your um, work schedule is like or your writing schedule is like these days? Well, these days it's not, pretty much non-existent, but normally, <laughs> which hopefully it'll be back again soon, um, I'm a morning writer. That's when I am the most alert. So I like to be sitting at my computer by about 8.30. And um, it's okay, about 8.30. And uh, I'll go, I can go till 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock. And then I stop being as, um, 
I don't know, as effective, I guess, unless I'm on deadline. Then I can go for 24 hours straight if necessary. But uh, definitely a, a morning person. And uh, I sit on a couch. I prefer to write in a chair with the computer on my lap. Um, and I don't like to sit at a desk anymore. I used to, but for some reason I've transitioned into being much more comfortable with my feet up and the cat next to me. Well, I, I agree with you there. You know, um, you know a little bit about me personally, but my husband and I run a marketing business, so I sit in front of in, at my desk in front of the computer um, for you know eight hours a day. So when it's time for me to write, I do not want to be at this desk. I sit out in my chair. I go outside. I I go curl up on my bed, whatever I have to, because I can't be creative in workspace. So I right. completely understand um, where you're coming from. So that leads me to my next question. What do you think is your most interesting writing quirk? Uh, my writing quirk. I think, well, I have a deadline kind of ritual. When I'm on a deadline, um, I like to find Brock's candy corn because they're the best. They have to be fresh. And I usually go through a bowl of those with a glass of milk, and that's my deadline food of choice. Um, but, and I don't know if this is necessarily a quirk, but I think the, my, the part of writing that always takes me by surprise is, is if I'm writing something and maybe two thirds of the way into the story, I come up with something that I think, wow, this would really enhance this. And I start to write it into the story for the remaining third with the plan that when I go into edit mode, I'll work it into the first two-thirds of the book. And what I always find fascinating when that happens is that when I circle back around to edit, it's usually already in there. It just took that far into the book before I think I was conscious of what was happening. And I always I always think that the stories are are better when that happens. Oh, I can't explain I, I, it, but I would call that kind of a quirk. <laughs> I I would say that definitely is. Now, the candy corn, I want to know where you find the candy corn when it's not the fall. Do you buy lots of bags all at once and store them you up? You know what? I, I have had readers send me candy corn for years, so I usually <laughs> have a stash. Um, sometimes, every once in a while, somebody will send me uh, candy corn from Amish country, actually. That's not Brock's. It's it's a, you know whatever kind of brand it is, and it actually is, ends up being better. So, oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Now, I I would not have pictured you as a candy corn type of person, but um, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Just in deadline is. mode. That's it. I don't eat it any other time. <laughs> oh well, I'm sure your dentist appreciates. That. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so I have to ask you. I know that you've been writing for a really long time, and you have over. 20 books, I believe, if not. 36. Close to 36. So over all of those years, I am sure you have gotten a lot of reader feedback and you have your, um, we all have our little cronies, if you want to call them, which I love my cronies. I love, I love the readers that go back for, you know, multiple books. But I have to ask, what are some of the most interesting emails or letters you've gotten from your, from your fans? Oh, wow. Um, just, I think, you know, the ones where somebody tells you that your book helped them through a tough time, maybe they were sitting in a hospital room with a, um, you know, a, a sick spouse or a sick parent and, uh, how your book helped them escape. That always kind of takes me by surprise. Um, but it's always in a good way. Um, 
Sometimes you get letters from people who are disappointed that a particular series isn't continuing and they're not necessarily happy with you over it, but they don't really realize that, you know, when you're with a, with a traditional publishing house, if a series stops, it stops. You know, we don't really always know that it's going to stop until after the book is written. So there's that kind of thing, but really it's just the support that I get from readers saying, I loved your books. I love this series. I love this character. This one touched me. Um, that's, those are the best. I have to ask, you know, I know you're with a traditional publisher mm -hmm. and if they stop a series like that and you haven't completed the series, do you just have to leave your readers hanging? What happens? Um, usually have a sense, you know, what's going on that maybe something's, you know, underfoot. So if you try to wrap it in a little bit, um, well, even when I had my, um, my first mystery series, it was the Southern Sewing Circle Mysteries, that went 12 books deep, and we pretty much knew that the 12th book was going to be it, and that was a mutual decision because I was ready to do some other things. However, um, even ending that book, and I did end it, I gave, you know, I kind of wrapped up everybody's stories, but I also did it in such a way that the little bow could be untied, and I could pick it up in the future if I wanted to, so... Well, that is interesting for those yeah. people who follow that series. That yeah, that, so. that opportunity always, is yeah. always there. Maybe. So that leads me into my next question. What does success mean for Laura Bradford? Ah, well, um, other than the kids being happy and healthy, <laughs> I would say just knowing that something that I wrote um, touched someone and um, you've got them through a tough time and – the other thing is knowing that this this is something I wanted to do from the time I was 10 years old, and that was just my dream is to see my name on a book in a library. Um, so accomplishing that for that 10-year-old little girl, that's success for me because that's just something that I wanted, and I worked for it, and I had a lot of hurdles along the way, but I – kept with it and I and I made it happen and what the example that has been for my kids would also be a measure of success I think I, I agree with you and we're going to talk about Tess in this book here in a few minutes and um, I loved how you ended this story <laughs> that's all I'm going to say is I love how you ended that story <laughs> but before we go there um, mm -hmm. you are tr are traditionally published mm -hmm. I on the other hand and an indie publisher, mm -hmm. and we have two completely different paths. Both of us are successful. Both mm -hmm. of us are very happy in our writing journey. But I want to know, what is your most favorite part of the publishing journey and your least favorite part? Um, I would say my favorite part is the readers because – you know, I went into this and I thought that writing was just like this, this thing. You wrote the book and it would be done. And I remember the very first time I had to go talk in front of people. And I'm, an, I'm essentially an introvert. And that very first time I had to talk in front of a group of people, it was like I had a bag of cotton in my mouth. I could not. It was just a scary experience. But the readers that I've met along the way and the generosity that they've shown me, the kindness, the support, um, has made it so that I love going out now and doing talks at libraries and meeting readers. They've just, they've made it just 
a very fun journey, way better than anything I imagined as a 10-year-old girl. Yes, it's nice to see your name on the books, but it's all the other stuff that comes with it. Um, as for least favorite, I think with the traditional publishing world is that as an author, you only have so much in control that you're in control of. You can put out memes and you can post on Facebook and you can post on Instagram and you can ask your readers to shout it out, and, and when they do, it's amazing. But so much of it is in the hands of someone else, and you can only control. It's hard to have that kind of thing out of your control and know that you can only do so much to get it out there to readers. You know, you and I have had some personal conversations about yeah. control and, and what each of us the control freak that I am. We've talked about that before. But I admire you and all traditionally published authors that you have put your success in the hands of somebody else. But you just don't let it lay like that. I mean, you take the bull by the horns and you're doing, you know, you're out there, you're out there doing this with us tonight. And I know that you've been pushing it out in your email blast and all over social media, and you've been talking this book up a good bit over the last month. I'm trying. <laughs> You're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Now, if I think we're going to trans, um, transfer into talking about her new story. Okay. But before we do that, I, I am going to let the cat out of the bag just a little bit that Lottie Yes. Miss Lottie gets brought back into this story. So I want you to tell me, and I didn't I didn't tell you this beforehand, but please tell me where your idea for Miss Lottie came from and what other books of yours can we find this most interesting character in? Miss Lottie, I just think that that voice of reason character, that person who can listen and um empathize even if they've never been in a particular situation um the person that helps guide you to answering the own your own questions and and the problems that you come up in life without necessarily telling you what to do but they kind of you know they listen and they listen to all points and they make you feel safe about saying what your dilemma is and the different ways that you could go and um you know, I think everybody, I hope everybody has somebody like that in their life. Um, and I just thought she would be a good, a good central character in all four of these books. Of course, you do not have to read one book or you don't have to read all four of them because every main character is always a new character. Miss Lottie is just kind of like a really kind of a small background character. However, she has a lot of importance. So, yes, yeah, she has a lot to say in very few words. Is the yeah. way I put it. So tell us real quick the names of the other four books that we can. Okay, the first one was Portrait of a Sister. What was it? Okay, first. Portrait of a Sister is the first one. Um, the second one is A Daughter's Truth. The third one was uh, Piece by Piece, which actually I have right here. The rest of my books are in the storage area, but that was the one from last year, Piece by Piece, which is actually one of my favorites. And then the, the one that came out today, which is her new story. Piece so. by piece, I cried and cried yeah. and cried hundreds over that story. But I loved that you, you brought her back. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember yeah. her name. You brought, um, what was her Danielle. name? Danielle. You brought, Danielle. You brought Danielle back into mm -hmm. her new story. And right. I have to tell you, um, so Tess Baker is the main character mm -hmm. in her new story. Mm -hmm. And I, everyone that's listening you are going to read this story, and you're going to hear Laura's voice 
in Kent Ooh. Baker. So every time, because Laura and I spend a good bit of time together and we, we talk a good bit, I hear, I could hear Laura's voice in Tess's story. Now, I know that Laura has a journalistic back, a journalist mm-hmm. background. Um, mm-hmm. So Tess is a journalist. So I, I related with her because I heard your voice in my head every yeah. time she spoke. So I really enjoyed that. So thank you. So let's talk a little bit more in depth about um, this particular book that just released today. What do you hope your readers will take away from this story? I think the main thing is that, you know, we all are hurt at some point by somebody, um, you know, uh, somebody we thought was a friend, uh, maybe a colleague, um, even worse, a family member where, you know, you put all this trust into somebody and they hurt you with it. And the instinct, I think, is to pull away. And sometimes we doubt ourselves and we start second-guessing our judgment. How could I not have known? How could I not have seen this? And and sometimes in some, in some people that, that makes them kind of pull away and, and not want to open up to new people because you're afraid you're going to get hurt again and you start to really kind of you know you're doubting yourself so much but I think that when we close ourselves off like that we're doing more harm more harm than what the original slight was and I think we just have to learn and hopefully that you have hope and trust and you move forward and you know believe that it's going to get better it's going to be better or the the net the best thing is still yet to come around the corner Exactly. So. And we've all been there. We've all yeah. been in the, in, in mm-hmm. Tess Baker's shoes mm-hmm. at one point in our lives. So I know what the significance of her new story is because I read the book. <laughs> so I'm not sure how you can give us the significance of the title without giving the whole story away. But do you think you can? I think I can. It? Okay, good. Um, you know, she's this reporter. And just to give a little bit of a background about her, she's um, – she was married, she's young, and she walked in on her husband with her best friend. And so when you think about the betrayal of that, um, not only her husband, but this girl that she grew up with, that was her maid of honor, that was that they were friends in college, and just, you know, not only did you get hurt by one person you loved, you got hurt by the two most important people in your life. And so... She throws herself into her newspaper, her magazine job, I'm sorry, and um, she just thinks that that's going to make everything better. And she is goes to work expecting to be sent off on the one of these special assignments this magazine does with four of their reporters, and they send them on location somewhere, and they're exciting, big, 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 splashy stories. But that's not the story she gets um, because – she made a misstep at work and her boss is angry at her and doesn't trust her with a big, huge story. So he sends her to Amish country, um, which is not what she wanted at all. And so um, she, uh, um, my, my brain is training out right now. Sorry about this. Um, yeah, she goes off. And, and she goes to this job and she wants this big splashy story. And, and what she ends up finding is that instead of the big splashy story that she thinks is going to make her career, she finds a story, her own story, her own 
moving forward story that is a million times better than, than any splashy story she could have had. And so I think that was the thing. I, 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 I don't want to say too much. So, but I am going to ask you, is there anything you can share with us? Now you just shared a good bit about the story mm-hmm. there, but is there any, any one little tidbit that you might want to share that's not particularly in the blurb on the back of the book or what you've just told us? And you don't have to if you don't want to, because you gave a big part of the story already. But um, Miss Lottie has a lot to do with the turn of events. I think that's, yeah, I I think that she learned so many things from people. And I think it's the aspect that um, should always leave yourself open to new possibilities. And always, you never know when that new person sitting in the corner or that new person that you take a chance of and go over to talk to, you never know when that person is going to change your life. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a firm believer that everybody we meet, we meet for a reason, even the ones that bring pain into our life, even, even the hurtful, we learn things from every experience we have. And I think that Tess begins to realize that through the help of, of these, women that she meets in Amish country. That's perfect. I don't think we need to tell them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We want them to buy your book. So um, Tess, we've talked a good bit about Tess, but if you could, if you could describe Tess in three words, what would those three words be? In the beginning of the book, I would say (laughs) closed, stuck, and wary. Uh In the end of the book. What do you think? Open, (laughs) full, and happy. There we go. I love it. I love it. So this book took you, what, about six months to write? How long did it take you to write this book? Oh, wow. Um, I'd say about six months. Yeah. What was the highlight of writing this story? I think it's just that kind of what I alluded to before is the the reaffirmation. It's a reminder. really kind of even of my own life. One, it got me back into the journalism a little bit. So I got to almost be back in a newsroom again, which was fun. I do miss that. And um, just made me kind of take stock in my own life of how, you know, for, for many years I moved around a lot. And through my moving so many different times and through my writing career, um, I've met so many amazing people. And that I wouldn't have met or I might not have met if I hadn't been willing to put myself out there a little bit. And they've all changed me in some way. So it was just kind of fun to to revisit that while while creating Tess. You know, and that's probably why I heard your voice so loudly when I heard Tess speak, because you were reliving some of your own past experiences. So maybe that's why, maybe that's why I kept hearing your voice. So thank you. So I like to ask our authors to read, you know, the first page or a couple pages. Um, How do you feel about that? I'm I'm good. I actually have a spot that I think would be kind of fun. It's only about half of a page, so it won't be too long. Nope. This is is very early in the book. I think it's like chapter two, maybe. No, it's chapter one, apparently. Um, (laughs) It's uh, after Tess gets the assignment to Amish country, that is not what she wanted at all. 
and she's talking to Murph, which is a fellow reporter. He's like her mentor there. Um, he's seasoned, um, a little bit crusty, but um, she just admires him, and he tells it like it is. So, okay, so she just found out she's going to Amish country, and that um, basically as a punishment. So she says to Murph, where was I supposed to go, she asked. It doesn't matter. It does to me. You really want to know, he asked. Yes. You are going to Belize to cover the efforts being made to transplant living coral to those places where it's dying off. She blinked against a tear as born on his words, at a reality that was supposed to be but now wasn't. So instead of going to Amish country, she asked, her voice raspy, how is that fair? They couldn't be more night and day from each other. You're right, they couldn't be. Closing her eyes against the image of marine biologists and the stories waiting to be told, she forced herself to breathe, to steady her voice. Do you think it's too late to still go there instead? Yes, Tess. It's too late, trust me. But Amish country? There's no juice, no splash to be had there. And there's most definitely nothing that'll get my name on a plaque out in the lobby. Maybe juice isn't always what's needed, Tess. Maybe, just maybe, there's a group of readers who will find that lack of juice refreshing. People need light and good too, Tess. And the Amish? He pulled her assignment sheet in front of him and silently perused the details. Could be an interesting counterpoint to life as we know it today if you opt to go that route. Do you really believe that, she asked. He pushed the paper back in her direction and shrugged. Doesn't matter what I believe or what you believe either. Because unless you've got another job offer or a trust fund stashed away somewhere, this assignment in Amish country is what you've got. So that was perfect. I have to tell you, I have an uncle who is a lot like Murph. So um, <laughs> I pictured him in the story. And I have to say, I half expected Murph to show up with some connection to Amish country. But, yeah, no. But, but, I, but the ending was perfect. Yeah. The, ending, the ending was yeah. perfect. But I half expected you to pull yep. Murph back into some, some connection. I loved Murph. <laughs> yeah, he was, I he really was, liked him. Did you have a boss or anybody that you modeled him after? Um, probably not the crustiness, but I did have a boss in my very first journalism job, um, as an intern in college. And he, he changed my writing in a lot of ways. You know, I used to, um, write on paper, like, you know, before when I was, anytime I'd write, I'd write on paper. And he basically told me the first day on the job, don't do that. He said, write it into the computer. And there was so many things that he taught me about leads and, and, pulling people into the story, and I just, I learned so much from him, just as I think that Tess learns a lot from Murph, but the thing is with Murph, she learns just as much, I believe, about life from him as she does writing, so. I, I couldn't agree more, and and just to give his personality a little bit, Murph is like a smoker, a, a coffee drinker, you know, a little gruff around the edges, yep. so he was he was the perfect character. You you painted a vivid picture of him. Yeah, he was fun. He did a great job. <laughs> so tell us what's up next for Laura Bradford. What's up next? Well, I have a, you know, most, the majority of my books are cozy mysteries. I have done some romances. I've done these women's fictions. Um, I've had some, um, you know, I keep myself busy. I, I'm willing to try writing anything. If I have an idea, I'll write it. I'm not confined to a certain genre. But I do love my cozy mysteries. And during the pandemic, 
um, the first six weeks of the pandemic, my youngest and I went down to New Jersey and stayed in a relative's house. And my daughter and I were talking about ways that people make friends now when they move to new communities. There's actually like online dating, there can, there's mm -hmm. actually online friend sites where you can oh meet goodness. people that like the things that you like. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was fascinating. But then this whole idea emerged not based on that, but that was my springboard. And I came up with a new cozy mystery idea called a friend for higher mysteries. So I spent like two or three days writing up a proposal and sent it to my agent who turned it around and sent it to Penguin Publishing, who I've worked with for for pretty much almost all of my mysteries, and they loved it. And so the first one is called A Plus One for Murder, and that is coming out on December 7th, and I am very excited. So Have you have you written that? It's Oh, it's the first and second are written. So the first comes oh out goodness. in December, <laughs> and the second one comes out next summer. So. Oh, my goodness. You're amazing. You're just amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much of her new story. And tell yeah. us a little bit where where our readers or where our listeners can find this particular book. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping for some sightings at Walmart, but I don't know. Um, but uh, um, Aaron's Books out of Lidditz, Pennsylvania, is a um, small independent mom-and-pop bookstore who has been super supportive of me for my entire career. So I am going to their store on Sunday for my first in-person signing in a year and a half. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, so if people in the Lidditz, Pennsylvania area next sun, uh, on Sunday, September 5th at 2 o'clock, I'll be there. I'm going to be doing a little presentation and um, signing books. And if they can't be there but they still want to sign book, they can contact the store and I'll sign one and then they'll ship them out. And of course, you can get it from the usual suspects. Um, your own, you can order from your own indie store, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I think Target.com, Walmart.com, all of those. So, so it's pretty available mm -hmm. everywhere. And um, I know that you probably have links on your website, which is laurabradford.com. So it would not be hard to find that particular book if no. it was something that interests you. Mm -hmm. So you know, I like to end with a speed round that I don't warn you what I'm going to ask you. Oh, boy. So you're going to just, you know, you're just going to pop the answers off the top of your head. And I did have to bring my sheet down, so I made sure that um, I read them properly. But be nice. I'll be nice. I was nice. I, I was nice. You know, I interviewed, um, I want to say it was either Thomas Nye. It was one of the men of Fiction and oh, I'm so mad I can't remember Murray Murray Pura. I I interviewed him um, a month or so ago and I asked him if women were complicated, and the the, the phone line got quiet. <laughs> he didn't say anything. <laughs> that was a loaded question. <laughs> it was it was, and it took it took him a few minutes to answer. And I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have asked that question, but it, it made for a great interview anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you could travel back in time, where would be the one place you'd want to visit? Travel back in time, the one place I'd like to visit, um, Walnut, Gro Walnut Grove, Minnesota. What's in Walnut Grove, Minnesota? Laura Ingalls. <laughs> oh, you're right. I would have wanted to be her friend. Oh, that is awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Okay. So on the flip side of that, okay. in today's world, where's the one place that you'd love to visit that you haven't gone yet? That I would love to visit that I haven't gone yet. Mm, oh, without a doubt, Grand Tetons. 
Okay. Yeah. I've seen pictures of it on the wall, uh, on walls, and there was one restaurant that used to have a panoramic shot of it on their back wall, and um, I just, it is on my bucket list. I will go there one day. My bucket list, I want to go to Italy in the worst way. And, and you know, before the pandemic, Craig and I had a uh, cruise booked for um, Italy, and then I got too paranoid I wouldn't go. I made him cancel. One day, one day. One day, one day. day. Okay, what was your favorite childhood TV show? (laughs) Little House on the Prairie. (laughs) I loved Michael Landon. I had a crush. Did you cry when he died? I cried when Michael Landon died. Yes, I did think it was very, very sad. Yeah, that was sad. That was hot. Mm -hmm. Okay, your last Halloween costume. Oh. Ooh. Hmm. Can I pick one of the last ones that I that I rem- I mean I really don't remember. I remember being etch a sketch one year. Well, there you go. Hot, like dressed up, a square on your chest, mm-hmm. and the little knobs and the little yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. perfect. All right, and I know you love sweets as much as I do. So I tell do. us what your favorite muffin is. My favorite muffin, an applesauce muffin. Ooh. With um, like cinnamon sugar on the top. Ooh, crumbs. They're crumbs. really good. I have to give good. you the recipe. You'll have to make us some. You'll have to make us some. Well, Laura, that is um, our time for this evening. Thank you once again for joining Thank us. You. I hope all of our Facebook friends um, enjoyed this very special live interview. And um, that's like a half hour. And <laughs> go ahead. Is there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> um. Just, you mentioned the website, you know, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, you know, um, if you read the book and like it, please shout it out, share it with your um, reading buddies, and I, there are book club questions in the back, so if for some reason you thought you're in a book club and you think it would make a great book club book, um, uh, send me an email and maybe we can talk about Skyping in or Zooming in for your book club. I think that's great. And, of course, like all of us authors say, reviews are very important mm-hmm. to us. Good ones, you know, we do take the bad ones, too. But, you know, we, we do we do enjoy hearing from our readers. So please reach out to Laura. Make sure you leave her a review. And give her new story a try because you yeah. won't be disappointed. I absolutely loved it. So thank you again, Laura. Good night. We will talk to you thank soon. You. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. that wraps up this week's episode. I invite you to join my private Facebook group by doing a search in the groups for my name or visit my website at tracyfredikowski.com for a complete list of all the Buggy Talk podcast episodes.